This is Lessons in Leadership. I'm Steve Adubato. If you're catching us for the first time on radio and AM 970 or a podcast or on the video side, this is a show all about leadership, everything you wanted or needed to know about leadership. That's what we do. Together with my colleague and co-host, Mary Gamba. How are we doing, Mary? We're doing great. Doing great. We're telling folks, uh, where are we telling folks we're coming from? We are coming from beautiful East Main Media Studios. In and beautiful where? Little Falls, New Jersey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great studio, great operation. Thank you yeah. to Brian Brodeur and his team. And uh, Mary, before we go to our colleague and friend, Greg Lalavie, let folks know where they can find us other than listening to us right now. Absolutely. So for those listening on radio, uh, definitely uh, when you're in a safe place, if you're driving, you can look us up on Facebook at Steve Adubato, PhD. That's A-D-U-B-A-T-O, as well as on Twitter at Steve Adubato. You can subscribe to the podcast to hear our previous episodes, and you can do that on Apple Podcasts as well as on Google Play. And as always, we have a ton of great resources on our website, which is stand-deliver.com. Also, by the way, you can go on the AM970 app and find us there as well. Um, And again, the reason we're on video is because we're looking forward to having folks see what we do as well as hear it. Let's introduce our good friend Greg Lalavie, who is in fact the uh, business manager, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. Good to see you, Greg. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Uh, We talk about leadership all the time. We'll get into a lot of the details about your view and your philosophy of leadership and also how you've evolved as a leader. But real quick, tell folks what the organization is. Uh, We are 7,400 men and women. Uh, We primarily operate heavy equipment on construction sites. So we'll build your roads, your bridges, your buildings. Uh, we also work in mines around the state. We also work for companies that are dealers of equipment, and we do the product support and the repair of the equipment. You grew up in this union. I did. Followed my, followed my father into it. Wow. So we've watched it evolve over time. And your brother's in it. Uh, both of my brothers are in it, and I have a cousin who's in it. It's in your blood. Yes. For a long time, I've been doing leadership um, coaching, if you will. We have a leadership academy at Local 825 that we've been doing that Greg is actively involved in. Our company provides that uh, work for them, and they're also one of our big supporters on public broadcasting of our work. But Greg, you introduced this book to me. I thought, again, you look around here, you see all these leadership books, and they're not props. They're props, but they're books that we've read, not all of it, but we've read a lot of it, and they've influenced us, and that's why we incorporate them into a conversation, our conversation. But Greg talked to me about this book about, I don't know, four months ago extreme ownership. He'll set it up for us. We've now stolen it and we're forcing everybody else to read mm-hmm. it. Awesome. Great book. Extreme it's ownership, fun, how Navy, yeah, yeah, yeah. U.S. Navy SEALs lead and win. Set it up for us. So, so this book is written by a couple of Navy SEALs and they just talk about what their leadership philosophy is and how they ran uh, their unit uh, when they were in Iraq. And when they talk about extreme ownership, they start right out at the beginning and talk about there being no excuses or not pointing any fingers and in no matter what the situation is or whatever may have gone wrong, if something went wrong, that each of us has a responsibility to look inside and figure out what they may have done uh, differently. So for instance, I just did something with my staff at work and I wasn't getting back uh, what I thought I expected from them all. And I realized that I communicated poorly in what it is I wanted as a finished product. So I own that piece of it. How'd you own it? I just uh, told the guys when they asked me, is this what you wanted? When I said no, but that's not on you, that's on me. I communicated what I wanted poorly. That's hard to say, though. I'm impressed. I mean, that's a really hard leadership quality to be able to say and admit that it was not you, it's me. And I'll complicate it even more. Some of your folks have told me that that is somewhat different in you. What they mean is 
they've seen you evolve as a leader and your ability to own it and say, yeah, my bad, really quick, no excuses, that that's not totally brand new, but you've evolved into that. Is that fair? It's very fair. Uh, but, but to take it from the book, one, one of the authors speaks about an operation that went completely wrong. In Iraq? Yes. And so his senior leaders came and he had to take a look at what went wrong, break it down. And he could have laid it on about four different people. But when the moment came, he accepted it himself. And what was uh, very uh, moving to me in that moment was he brought it out to where that earned him the trust and credibility of so many others around him because he was willing to accept his responsibility for what went wrong and to own it and to change it. So think about this. How often do we see presidents and governors and all kinds of people, including new heads of organizations, blame, talk about the opposite, the antithesis of everything you just described, the opposite of extreme ownership. How often do you hear people say, it was the other, it was the previous president, it was the previous governor, it was the CEO before me, it was the person who headed up this department before me. Don't put it on me, look at what's been put in my lap. And then four years later, they're still talking about the other person. Is that the opposite of everything you just said? I believe it is. And, and actually what I was able to do is the lesson that came uh, in this book about taking ownership brought me back to the day I graduated high school. Um, Tell folks where you went, because we talk about the influence that certain kinds of schools have had on us. Go I, ahead. I went to Del Barton School in Morristown. As is uh, Catholic in Newark, doesn't exist anymore. Go ahead. Uh, but the uh, priest, Father Giles Hayes, uh, who's unfortunately passed recently, uh, was the headmaster at the time. And in his graduation remarks, uh, he spoke about pointing the finger at other people. And so he made the gesture where he pointed and he said, when you do that, if you flip your hand over, you have three pointing back at yourself. And as I've gone through life, anytime I've gotten into, we've all gotten into the heated moment where somebody will go, the you, the minute that Look at happens. Look that finger coming out. Yeah, the you. minute that happens, I realize they're telling me about themselves. Almost each and every time they're telling me what their orientation is, what their disposition is, what point of view they may be coming from. They're trying to lay it off on somebody else. But it's really about them. Yes. Mary, jump in. I, mm -hmm. I, I see you fascinated. Well, right no, now. I'm laughing because one thing that Steve often does is instead of point, he often does this. So he makes sure to point all the... <laughs> <laughs> it, it may be subconsciously something was straight. happening, but... Mary, right, Brian, listen you to see Greg Lalavie give this incredibly powerful, profound it, analysis it of point. Mm -hmm. And Mary says, Steve doesn't point. He goes like this. So what are you trying to say? <laughs> it deflects all... <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, but you do. I, and I noticed all that. that out. Okay. I'm sure you do that because of rudeness. You don't want to be pointing at someone, but it's, it's yeah, But if so... I'm trying to have somebody in a seminar, I'll open my hand. Mm -hmm. But you listen to Greg talk about evolving in that way. Mm -hmm. You and I talked about this a lot. If leaders don't constantly learn and evolve, mm -hmm. they don't they just die. stay the way mm -hmm. they are. They go backwards and they die. Go ahead. Yeah, they go backward. They die, not in the literal sense, but they do. All of their, we always, we always talk about innovation and we talk about ways to renew and find new ways of doing things. And if you are too busy finger pointing, assigning blame, as Steve and I always talk, and it took us a long time to get here, we always talk about it's a lot easier to admit where you made a mistake, own it and then literally go right into the next step of, all right, what are we going to do about it so it doesn't happen again? But that's really hard to do in leadership. And to that point, Greg, your men, your people, they see you doing it. I'm convinced that because I've gotten better, at least in my mind, um, 
about blaming because I was always quick to blame, very quick to blame. My problem is I, I think that because I'm owning it, then you better own it. And I get, I get frustrated when some team members and others don't own it. You? In this project that I just alluded to a minute ago, a few of the staff were behind the deadline in getting it to me. And each of them picked up their phone and called me and apologized and accepted it, which just makes me believe in this topic of extreme ownership even more and that the leader can lead people into this. How about no excuses? How about the no excuses concept? Someone might say, yeah, uh, I, and it went wrong, I'll take that part of it, but what you don't understand is, and then there's a list of 15 things that they were, they thought they were not in control of, someone was unfair to them, the card was were stacked against them. You say? Well, you can't worry about what you can't control. You have to deal with what you can control. Um, and then you have to focus on what you can control. So whatever those might have been on that list of what somebody can't control, uh, there has to be a way around that or to overcome that um, and put into a bucket of what could you control. Uh, maybe it was traffic. Maybe you could have left earlier. Part of the extreme ownership is about developing solutions, not focusing on what the problem may be, mm. but focusing on what the solutions might be. Switch gears a little bit. We're talking to Greg Lalavie, who is uh, the business manager at the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. They're a longtime friend of ours in the Lessons in Leadership family and also one of the big supporters of our work on public broadcasting. So, so I'm, I'm curious about this. How have you evolved as a public communicator slash leader? And then how has that translated to your folks? Well, for, for myself, I work at it constantly. If I have to do any kind of a big presentation, uh, I will go through it multiple times. I'll rehearse it out loud. By the time I get up at the podium on Monday, I've gone through it so many times that probably the first third of it is darn near committed to memory. But I'm curious about this because I was actually saying to one of our clients yesterday, you actually have to own it, going back to extreme ownerships. He said, what do you mean? I said, I know you know it. I know you've practiced it. But how do you own it? Well, you referenced before that I'm second generation operating engineer. My brothers are in this. Uh, so one of the things that you'll read in the book is one of the things that we need to do is believe in what you're talking about, believe in what you're doing. And I'll tell people all the time, when it comes to my life, uh, when it comes to something simple as my medical benefits have come for 54 years by way of operating engineers local 825. So I believe in the goodness of the organization. I believe in what it stands for. Uh, it drives the passion that I have for it and, and the passion behind my work. There's one more piece I want to run uh, past you. Mary and I, again, talk a lot about... Um very often I run, I run late, even though everybody else is on time. And my excuse, which is not okay, is that, oh, I was just in the gym, as if anybody cares, right? But here's the point I'm making. In my mind, working out and trying to take care of myself uh, as best I can is part of being a strong leader and effective in life and being the healthy, healthiest person in life. You have gone through a fascinating metamorphosis, if I can say that correctly, a transformation from when to when because if you Google some of our previous interviews with Greg, let's just say this on steveadobato.org, check them out. Um, you look a lot more fit today than you have in the past. Is that my imagination? Uh, no. From April 12th to today, I've lost 122 pounds. Um, 
and it has been a transformation. And one of those things uh, to talk about is actually a leadership lesson that I learned um, in a program that was authored by General George Casey, in which he talks about the anacronym of rest. And he says in, in a person's day, you have to find time to read, exercise, sleep, and think. R-E-S-T. Say it again. Read. Exercise, sleep, and think. What did that mean to you? Well, it meant that I had to take care of myself. To be an effective leader, um, that I had to take care of myself. I'm not a big gym rat. I'm not a, an exercise um, you know, lover, if you will. But you I don't have, have to be. No, but you have to carve out 10 to 15 minutes to take that walk. Do or you take to the do walk something now? positive. I, yeah. You build it in. Yes. You have to. You have to make the time. But you have to explain to folks how hard you've worked on the nutrition end. Because to me, that is a life and leadership lesson. Over time, this was happening. Because the other, list, the other leadership lesson that's striking me, if I'm wrong, tell me, is the level of discipline required. It's a lot of discipline. And, and uh, you know, as you probably know, psychologists will tell you, you've got to make it through three weeks to develop a habit. Uh, so you try to, you know, dig your way through those first few weeks. And I found it to be true. Once I got through um, the first couple of weeks, uh, my habits became just my habits. To what extent has it actually helped you as a leader? It's helped me tremendously. I, I feel as if I think more clearly. Um, I think I present better, uh, you know, outwardly. Um, so How about I, confidence level? Uh, tremendously. Um, really? Yeah, my, my, my wife actually hit me with that this morning. She, she feels as if my confidence level has uh, skyrocketed in the last couple of months. Greg, let me ask you this. Before I let you go, what would you say your greatest challenge is as a leader today? Uh, is trying to set my organization up for the future. Uh, so the future is going to look completely different. And I'll reference another book that I read this summer uh, called The Anticipatory Organization by Daniel Burris. And he talks about what he calls an exponential inflection point. And that is where forces combine that create exponential change and transformation. When you look at uh, computing speed, uh, when you look at bandwidth, when you look at digital storage, we only have to look at our cell phones to, to make this real. We went from analog signals to digital signals. We used to have a Palm Pilot that was separate from our phone. And as computing speed got better, as we went to digital uh, signals, as we got more storage on the machine or in the cloud, we watched the rise of the, the cell phone. And but what does this have to do with well, leadership? Well, you have to prepare your organization for the future. And in my organization, we're watching computers and artificial intelligence and GPS control come into the machinery. And with standing on the precipice of 5G being released broadly, this is going to change how fast signals can be done and how quickly you'll be able to displace people off of the machinery that we've been operating manually for 123 years. So devil's advocate, someone says, you know what? We're really losing jobs in this country because of automation, because of technology. What you are saying is maybe, maybe not. It's maybe not because you have to take every one of these things as an opportunity, not a setback. But it's a, a challenge. How's it an opportunity? Well, it's a, it's a challenge, but the opportunity is there's still be, is still going to be work to be done. Somebody's going to have to know how to set those computers up, how to interface with the robotics, how to deal with the mechanization. 
So there will be jobs there. The jobs will just be different than the ones as we know them today. How are you preparing folks for that? And let folks talk about innovation. Uh, Brian and his team at East Main Media built this studio in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. You folks have built a training facility, set it up for folks. We have. Uh, we're an accredited institute of higher learning now, and which is the first step in our uh, ambition to become a two-year uh, technical college standalone on our own, which wow. we think will be done by the end of this year. Innovation is not an option, right? No, it's, it's not an option at all, at, at all, because the, what, change is the one constant in the world. So when Burris talks about his exponential inflection point for those who study language, those are some really powerful words. Um, and when you talk about the speed at which the world is going to change now that the platforms are all digital, that's right. the world's always changed. But now that we're in a digital world where things are done 24 hours a day as the world spins, as we go to bed tonight, it's nine o'clock somewhere else on a digital platform. The world never sleeps. You know, we've said this many times and, and I'll repeat it for our folks uh, watching and listening on lessons. In leadership, by the way, you've been listening to Gray Lalavi from uh, Local 825, the Inter International Union of Operating Engineers. You know, this whole thing, and we'll go to a break in just a second, this whole thing about innovate or die, you could be like, oh, Steve has another slogan. Not really. Because I've said this before, there are some organizations who are doing really well, who are making a lot of money. You know, folks on Wall Street making money off them, the shareholders making money, the employees doing well. But they didn't innovate. They didn't make the changes. They were too comfortable with the status quo. Dare I use some names? Kodak, Blockbuster, Research in Motion, and you say, who are they? The parent company of BlackBerry. The list goes on of organizations, corporations doing well saying, we're good, we're standing pat, status quo is fine. What's this whole thing about it? People are gonna what, wanna watch movies in their home off of TV? People are gonna wanna take photos off their camera? That's ridiculous, we don't need to do that. Innovate or die, right? Well, the CEO of BlackBerry was infamous for saying nobody's ever gonna wanna watch videos on their phone. <laughs> <laughs> Just get on a bus or a subway that, one day and watch what well. everybody's doing. Could you yeah, imagine? Yeah, that worked well. So again, um, Mary, final words before we let Greg go, because I, I, watch, I watch Mary Gamba watching and listening to our fascinating guests on Lessons in Leadership, and I find that you are fascinating. I am. I absorb everything like a sponge, and I will use the example of if you're pointing and you have the three fingers coming your way. It's Thank a you. great, I know, it's a great example. <laughs> it's an absolute great example. But and I may be the first student in your college, too, because as I said, we, we had Greg on before uh, for our radio, just the radio show. Right. And I am dying to use one of those big machines and go digging. You're so. welcome anytime. Yeah, you know, no, so I'm going to take you up on that. Yeah, Mary's gonna, yeah, just don't let her leave my organization. We'll <laughs> die. Innovator die? Without Mary Gamba, you die. Uh, but how about this one? It's so fascinating. As we let Greg go, Mary has worked with Greg for several years now. They've had countless conversations on the phone, email, text messages constantly. He walks in the studio here at East Main Media and she goes, it's so good to meet you for the first time. How crazy is that, that our interpersonal face-to-face -face is less, but we interact with people all the time. Welcome to the digital divide. Exactly. This has been Greg Lalavi. I'm Steve Adubato. That's Mary Gamba. We are at East Main Media Studios. Lessons in Leadership come back right after this. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, is brought to you by Prager Metis, Gibbons PC, Valley 
New Jersey Resources, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. I'm Steve Adubato with my colleague, Mary Gamba. Mary, I know I, you thought I was going crazy when I was talking mm -hmm. about um, disruption because Greg Lalavi from Local 825 was talking about, he used the term, but I want to make it clear. Again, books are not props, they're real. A book by Terry Jones, a, a colleague and friend who I recently had a chance to interview on a conference down in Baltimore. His book is called Disruption. Uh, the technological disruption coming for your company and what the heck you need to do about it. I added heck, that's not in there. Yeah, here's well, the that's thing. one I haven't read. You have to give us a little bit more information. I don't think well, that's mainstream. Well, here's what it is, right, right out of the box. Right out of the box, we'll talk about disruption. And, mm -hmm. But he says that disruption, you ready? This is from a quote that he uses from Mike Campbell in The, uh, the, sun, uh, the, in the sun Also Rises. Ready? Question. So how did you go bankrupt? Two ways. Gradually, and then suddenly. Wow, what that that's mean powerful. Yeah. Uh, what that means to me is that sometimes you may think that something is way down the line, that maybe whether it's a, a job or, I mean, this is obviously, they're talking about something unfortunate, but it seems like you don't realize how close it is until it happens. And so therefore, mm -hmm. the whole concept, I think people think we may be beating a dead horse, innovate or die. It's not just some slogan. The fact is, we talked about the companies before, and that's just Google this. Speaking about innovation, where was Google 20 years ago? Google organizations that died because they didn't innovate, whether it's BlackBerry, whether it's Blockbuster, whether it's Kodak, it's a long, long list. And the reality is, and again, the quote, I was watching a movie about Steve Jobs the mm -hmm. other day, uh, the, the movie that was out a few years ago. Fascinating. The quote from Steve Jobs, read it for mm -hmm. us. Absolutely. Innovation distinguishes between a leader and a follower. What does that mean to you? You need to, in order to innovate, you need somebody to lead that innovation. Innovation means change. And innovation is a new buzzword, and rightfully so, because especially with everything changing, we've got digital, we've got uh, TV, everything is right there computers, we've got our, our phones where you can we log got artificial on. artificial intelligence. What about the seminar, excuse mm -hmm. me, the workshop, forget about it, I'm thinking seminars and workshop. We did mm -hmm. a whole public broadcasting special on voice technology with our colleagues at the New at Jersey NJIT. Institute of Technology. Absolutely. On voice. Yeah, absolutely. Amazon Alexa. You could speak in your house. I'll walk in my house and I'll say, you know, Alexa, turn on my lights. Alexa, play country music. Alexa, do this, do that. And she just does it. You don't even have to think. You don't have to lift a finger. And it's fascinating. It's scary because you always wonder who's listening to you when. Uh, but once you get past that, it's a matter of just knowing that these are the times are changing. But, but think about this. It's not just that the times are changing. Mm -hmm. Is that the, the connection to you may ask, what's the connection in leadership? Mm -hmm. It's that Steve Jobs, even though he had a terrible personality and was awfully mean to people and would embarrass them in public, watch the movie, you'll see what I mean. And again, um, you read about him. It's not, um, people don't disagree with that analysis. But the other side of him was he saw things that others couldn't even imagine. And his biggest challenge, as I had thought about it, was he was trying to explain what he saw. And they didn't see what he saw and were turned off and afraid. And he's like, no, we have to move forward. And it didn't. And by the way, he often failed. Right. So talk about the idea of failure. Mm -hmm. Right. And innovation. Yeah. Well, uh, before we get to failure, just when you were talking about uh, one of the keys to leadership is being persuasive, being able to persuade others when they didn't even see that it was possible. So, Or they know, don't think it is. Or they don't think it is. They didn't see it that way. Or worse, they may think something totally different. And then you may have to really switch and negotiate and go back and forth and change their mind. 
But with failure, one of the reasons innovation will stall or just not happen at all is because people are fearful of failing. And that's just unfortunate because if you if he was afraid to say, wow, let us, you know, take the iPhone, it was great. I mean, the original iPhone and now we're up to like the 10, 11, I don't even know. And every time it's like, oh, wait, we're not going to have one camera on this iPhone. We're going to put three cameras. Why? Excuse me. That doesn't mean we think that every innovation as Mm -hmm. a leader like it's a great innovation. Right. Sometimes you ask why they even do exactly. this. It doesn't sometimes, make sense, but go ahead. I think sometimes it's Don't unnecessary. Don't innovate just to, for the point of innovation. And sometimes, and, and again, I mean, I love my iPhone. I love Apple products. And sometimes I think, wow, they just changed the phone. So this way more people go out and buy it, right? Um, and the same with anything, whether you're talking about electric cars. Innovation is really finding a new way to do things that hopefully do things that will hopefully leave the world a better place. And that's what I feel innovation is all about. Quick, quick follow up on this. And again, our good friend Kevin Cummings from Investors is in the house. He's sitting there watching us right there. And um, talk about innovation. He's been innovating for a long time, and he's going to be talking about some of the innovation that he's been involved in with with the folks at Investors. But I'm curious about this. What about the fact, and we have talked about this countless times, first time on video, it is very difficult to communicate to people around you that innovation is necessary, A, and B, that they need to be a part of it. Like this, this innovation, I know we keep talking about this, the innovation of doing this, changing from what we're doing every day. You hire a producer who comes in, he or she comes in, they're gonna produce a show, Steve's gonna host the show, and we're gonna put it on PBS and other outlets, and that's what we do. But we're gonna create this podcast, we're gonna create this radio show, we're gonna put it on video, and Mary, I'd like you to be the co-host because you and I talk leadership all the time. Your first instinct wasn't, oh, great, I'm all in, was it? No, no. I I mean, my first reaction was, number one, I'm not a host. Number two, I'm not a producer. I know what I know, and this was something that was on familiar territory. But being an innovator— I'm sorry. Life begins—all right, so for those listening on the radio, Steve is holding up one of his props, and it says, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And, but that's you weren't, not, unco- you weren't comfortable doing this out of the box. No, no, not A year not later, at all. how are you feeling? I'm very comfortable. So what's the point yeah. here? No, it, it, well, the point is what we've been, you know, nailing in this entire time, which is that you can get out of your comfort zone and it will be okay. Fear is natural, but it's what you do with that fear and how you channel it, which is really going to make the difference between true leaders and those who are super successful and those that kind of just toe the line and they're just going to plateau. And And, and to that point, there are some folks that we know on our team, and I have no problem saying this, that I've said, I'd like you to come on and I'd like you to have a conversation with us. And I know what they're really thinking is, you didn't hire me to do that. I got hired to do this because they look at the job description and my response will be, but we're evolving, we're changing. I need you to do this and I see something in you that allows me to say that you'd be a great addition. No, it's not what I do. I'm uncomfortable doing it. The question for a leader is, and I've asked you this countless times, How hard do you push? In certain cases, and you and I have agreed to disagree, in certain cases when using this as an example, using this story, I think there are certain people who are- It's not just about us. For everybody listening, watching right now. If someone really puts their foot down and says, listen, that's really not for me. But then what you would like to hear is, however, let me just give you another uh, place where I feel like I can be helpful. That would be a good way. That's the leader's job? Uh, no, no, no. I'm thinking that would be, if that were me, if you said to me, Mary, I want you to help me with this or I, or this radio show. Again, it right. wasn't something Which that I came to Which is now on video. You. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't, I, I didn't have a lifelong dream of doing this or I never saw myself in this capacity. But if you get yourself out of that comfort zone and you try it, it was never in my job description. And, and again, right now, uh, we are just in the process of hiring a new team member. And the one thing that I said to every single person that we interviewed for this position was, 
we need you to not be wet to this job description. Sure, here it is. Here's a piece of paper. Here are the types of responsibilities we anticipate you doing. A year from now, if you're still doing this, we have a problem and you need to be adaptable. And then I ask them to share an example where they're flexible and they're willing to try different things. Because sure. if not, it's just not going to be a good fit for ours or any organization. So interesting because Mary and I do disagree about this because I'm a big believer in pushing people harder than I think Mary sometimes thinks I should. I know we have to, Brian, I see that sign again every time I'm getting that sign. It says wrap it up, but I'll just leave it at this. To me, one of the signs of a really good leader, and trust me, I'm not saying I'm a great leader. I'm saying I'm a leader who learns every day, hopefully, that sometimes really good leaders, leaders who are learning, see things in people that they don't see in themselves, even if that other person's saying that's not me. Easier said than done, I know. But that is one of the great things about lessons in leadership that we challenge ourselves. By the way, as we let people go, Mary, let's thank East Maiden Media Studio for making this possible. Everyone listening on AM 970, on our podcast, and on the video side as well. Folks can find us where? Absolutely. They can find us on our website, stand-deliver.com. And also they can uh, follow you on Facebook and on Twitter, Steve Adubato, PhD, and that's spelled A-D-U-B-A-T-O. How great is our uh, website at stand-deliver.com? What can people get? There? A lot of free stuff. We've got articles on every topic involving Did you leadership. Say free stuff. Free stuff, and we also have links for your five books. Lessons in Leadership is your most recent. We are working on a new one uh, soon to be titled. Just to clarify, the books aren't free. No, okay, the books are not Steve free. Steve Adubato, Mary Gamber. This has been Lessons in Leadership. You see the logo there. We'll check you next time. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, is brought to you by Prager Metis, Gibbons PC, Valley, New Jersey Resources, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825.